Hello and welcome to the Family Brand Podcast. My name is Chris. I'm a husband, a father, and an entrepreneur. My name's Melissa, and I am a wife, mother, former nurse turned real estate investor. And we believe the greatest gift you can give your child is a last name that stands for something. Your last name is your family's brand. If you are a parent who wants to raise your child to know who they are, love who they are, and believe in who they are, this show is for you. We promise to bring you real and authentic conversations with parents and experts who are committed to making their family their life's most important work. This show will help you take a stand for your family and to raise your children by design, not default. All right, everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Family Brand Podcast. I am really stoked to have Jason Kalipa here with me. Uh, Jason, welcome to the podcast, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's uh... Definitely the things that you speak about and and the listeners of this podcast, I resonate with. It's different than what I normally talk about, right? You know, I'm I'm definitely a fitness fanatic, for lack of a better term. I'm deep into jiu-jitsu. I'm deep into CrossFit. But I'm also a dad of two, and I've been married to my wife for years, and we got together when we were 14. So definitely, you know, I, I like talking about family stuff because I think that at the end of the day, we have no second chances there. You only get one shot, and so I just don't want to mess it up. <laughs> Dude, it's amazing. I'll get into a bit of Jason's backstory, but since you said that, I don't think fear is usually the greatest motivator. And I don't think most times it's useful to try to motivate others with fear or ourselves. And there is one fear I have though, that is a really powerful motivator for me that I think about every day. And it's that I love thinking about waking up 20, 30, 40 years from now with the thought and the feeling of like, oh, I missed it. Like I had this one chance to be a really intentional husband and a dad when my kids were little and I missed it. And the reason I love thinking about that is because it reminds me like how much I don't want to ever have that be my reality 20, 30, 40 years from now. Doesn't mean I'm going to wake up 20 years from now and think I was perfect, but I'd love to know 20, 30, 40 years from now that I was like, man, I, I gave it a shot. I was in the game. I played to win. Yeah. I was there. And with the way my- you do that is by micro check-ins. Like for me, you know, the thing about like this, if you're trying to win the CrossFit games or trying to win a, a name, any physical feat as an example. If you create micro check-ins along that journey and you earn your confidence, when you're on the bus to your first event, and this is something I thought about for years, when you're on that bus or on that flight to your first event, you've already earned, you've earned it just like everybody else who's there, but the work has already been done because every day, every week, you already did those micro check-ins. So when you look back, you're like, dude, I did everything in my power to put me in the best position to win. And now I just need to go execute. Similarly, as a dad or as a husband, I could ask myself daily, weekly, monthly, whatever, when I'm in the sauna, when I'm on a run, hey, how am I doing? Doing a check-in. And I figure if I do those things, I'm not going to wake up 20, 30 years ago to your point and be like, damn, I really dropped the ball in X, Y, Z. Because I've already, because I did those check-ins, I could rest assured that, hey, I never got it perfect. No one got it perfect. But I sure as hell did check-ins on a regular basis to try and do the best I could. And that's all you could really do. I mean, I think about all the time, like, that's all my parents ever did, right? I think that's probably what your parents did. Like, if we look back at our parents, like, damn, they could have been better at this, 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 this. Like, well, I believe that in most parents' hearts, they want to be good parents. I don't think that many people wake up in the morning and say, I want to be a bad dad, right? I don't think so. But they just didn't know any better, right? And they did the best they could. And now it's our job to kind of level up from where we got taught. Yeah, I love that. And one of the things I tell my kids is like, hey, and part of your responsibility is to be a better parent than for your children than I am for you. And like, like, what if we could just keep that going? What if we just as a mountain with no top and like generations from now, we have families that are just stronger and stronger and kids who are more and more resilient and kids who are more and more powerful leaders versus 
what happens so often in gen- generationally with families is like with each passing generation gets a little yeah. weak, weaker, weaker, finally tell a complete meltdown. Then someone rises up and just re- that cycle repeats itself. Okay. So Jason is going to use a lot of terminology that I'm a big fan of because he's a competitive guy. He loves sports. He loves it. He trains jujitsu. I don't know if I, if I even told him, but him, my, me and my oldest son uh, tra- have trained for a few years now. And uh, so Jason's former CrossFit Games champion has uh, created a really successful, I guess you would call it a, a CrossFit branded, you know, gym and business that they have. How many locations, how many gyms do you guys have, Jason? So we service a bunch of gym owners. We've done, so right now we own and operate three. We service many, many, many more through digital products um, called NC Fit. And then we have the Train Hard brand that we're, we're launching. Yeah. Love their Train Hard brand. I told Jason if I'd have been more on my game, I'd have had my Train Hard shirt uh, on today for, for, the, for the podcast. And then they have an amazing uh, you know, charity that I want them to talk about, Ava's Kitchen, which is named after his daughter, his daughter Ava. One of the things, though, that comes through in me and this idea of, I think there's three ways to play the game of life. And that can apply to your life, your business, or your family. One of the ways to play the game of life is to play not to lose, where it's just kind of like, we're sitting on the sidelines. We're, we're kind of operated by fear, right? We're just waiting to see what happens. The second way is like you can play to play, which is like, yeah, we're going through the motions. We're trying. And then the third way is like you play to win. Yeah. And it's like, no, like, like that. We're, 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 we intend to win. We expect to win. It's like, I'm not, I'm not trying not to lose. I'm not trying to try. I guess there's a fourth way. And that's like, you don't even play at all, right? So we'll exclude that one. And I love in the book where you talk about when, when you guys found out about Ava, it's like, we're going to win. We're going to fight for our family. So will you tell us a bit of that, that story? I knew Jason was going to be on the podcast already. And I had met him at an event uh, with Triad that you've heard me talk about a little bit. One of, uh, one, of the peop- one of the clients I have the opportunity of serving. And then Jason came and spoke at the, the retreat. So I knew Jason was going to be on the podcast. I looked up some of Jocko's recent podcasts and I was like, oh, Jason's on the podcast. I'm going to listen to this four hour episode. Took me a few workouts right. to get through. For uh, our dissertation. Yeah, it was, it was deep. Yeah, we went long. And I loved what, how Jocko started the podcast. And so I was like, I, that was powerful. So tell us where everything kind of changed for you and, and where this idea of like fighting for your family and getting through really difficult things. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, look, um, you're kind of, you're layering some things about like playing to win. I think when people think about playing to win, you know, they could think about that, like from a business perspective, like, Hey, I want to make $10 million, $30 million. I want my kids to be set for life. I'm like, that's cool. For sure. That's cool. Like hundred percent. But when your child gets sick, so my daughter was diagnosed with leukemia, you're, you're playing to win. Like, and, and winning is the only option. Like there's no, there's no other option in your mind, but you are going to win. And winning is not making millions of dollars or whatever. Winning is survival, right? So, you know, I, I think that it puts life in perspective for sure. In 2016, 2000, end of 2015, early 2016, we noticed a bunch of stuff with our daughter. And it was, it was it, the advice I'd give to parents out there. And what I, what gives me solace is that we did everything in our power to do the best we could with the information we had. And that was something that we really could key on. And it started off like my daughter getting like leg pain, like super bad leg pain. Like she couldn't walk more than like 200 feet. And we're like, dude, this is weird. And I thought it was just like growing pains or she was being lazy or whatever. And I was like, all right. So we took her to the doctor, like, Hey, maybe growing pains. Right. Okay. Then she started getting these really bad ear infections and like super bad ear infections. Like I remember one day the doctor, this is what really caused me pause was like, Hey, I'm just letting you know, I've been a doctor for 30 years. This is the worst ear infection I've ever seen. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, what? Wow. Like, Ava's like four or five years old at the time. I'm like, what? Like, what the hell? So 
time goes on, we go back to the doctor, time goes on, time goes on, like a week or two later. And then all of a sudden, uh, Ava's falling asleep in class. We're like, what? Like, maybe she has like, I don't know, like anemic, who knows? And so the reason why I'm sharing this with all the parents out there is that in a chamber, when I'm talking like this, you're like, dude, come on, man. Like, why didn't you take her into the ER and, and go get blood work done immediately? Like, why didn't you do that? Well, every time there was a sign, it was like one at a time. And we would just go and address the symptoms at the moment. The mm -hmm. doctors were hesitant to do blood work. We never even talked about it because it wasn't even on my radar, to be honest. Now, obviously, it's different. But then one day, she starts getting like super bad bruising, like super bad. And so we take her to the doctor and the doctor's like, hey, man, this is, this is not right. So we get blood work and the doctor called us back a couple hours later. He was like, hey, I don't care what you're doing right now. You need to, you know, stop what you're doing and get to the uh, emergency room, ER at Stanford Hospital uh, immediately. Like, that's it. Like, and that was the, that was a very scary call. You know, we were eating dinner and there was no like more information than that. Hey, this blood work came back. I need you to go to the ER immediately. It wasn't like, oh, finish your dinner, like whatever. It was like, no, 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 get there, get there now. And so we rushed there. And the long story short is that night we found out our daughter had leukemia and that created a whole slew of experiences and trauma and whatever you want to call it and learning lessons that we could definitely talk about right now. But that's that's kind of the way it went down. Yeah, dude. I, yeah, and, and, and Jason details all of this in a really powerful, moving way um, in his book, As Many Reps as Possible. I, I got a little emotional hearing Jocko read it and then almost got a little emotional reading it again. And, and, and so again, we'll talk about your book. Uh, so I, I, and I would encourage all of you to buy the book. It's an incredible book with so many principles, again, that apply to family, but so many principles that apply to life and business that you can apply to a family. So talk about, because, you know, for, for us, Jason, we had this moment when Melissa and I, and most people, most of the listeners have heard this story when Melissa and I were separated, you know almost 15 years ago, planning to get divorced, there was this moment where we finally came and we decided we're going to fight for this marriage and we're going to win. And I don't know how to describe it any other way. It wasn't like a, well, let's, let's give it three more months and give it a shot and see how it goes. Or, hey, let's try it one more time. And my, my buddy Brad makes this distinction between decision and deciding. He said, there's lots of things we make decisions about, but never decide. And so like we, how many, how many times we made the decision to get healthy, but never decided to become healthy? Yeah. How many times we make the decision to get married, but didn't decide to be married? And like, so decision is a decision and deciding is commitment. And it sounds like you and, you know, you and your wife are like, you decided like, we're going to fight for this and we're going to win. Talk about that moment of just like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, she set the tone for that. So just to lay some framework, my wife and I, we met when we were 14, freshman in high school. Uh, we got together at 15. Um, and just stayed together ever since. So like we had a pretty long uh, relationship before our daughter got sick. And my recommendation to anybody out there, like a tangible thing. And the reason why I wrote the book, As Many Reps as Possible, like, and we was not to make money or become famous or any that kind of stuff. It was really to share a tool set that I had incorporated for many years that when Ava did get sick, it put me in the best position and my family in the best position to handle it because we had had strong relationships, strong financial hedge, strong fitness hedge. And the relationship one is so important that nowadays people are so unengaged and they're not developing deep, deep relationships. And when shit hits the fan, you need to have your family and friends around you. And if you don't have that today, you should start cultivating that relationship because you never know when you need to call on somebody. And I, I believe that in life, it's more of a tribe, right? And if you think about like old school paleoithic tribal, 
where when someone's down, others pull them up. And when others are down, the others pull them up. And I think that overall it creates this ecosystem where you're throwing down ropes, trying to level up everybody versus be on this island. It's very difficult. But the night that Ava got diagnosed, you know, my wife and myself and my father-in-law were in the room with my daughter and, you know, it was heavy. Um, it was heavy. I mean, I was just, I don't, I don't even know what else to say. You know, like when the doctor came over and gave the news, like it, it felt like, you know, I got, I got punched in the face and I mean, I, I just, I just felt so, it was just such a foreign, heavy feeling, right? Because when you hear the word leukemia, cancer to a little girl, you're like, dude, oh, really? And it just like hit me. So I'm, I'm crying. Right. And I take my wife outside because we, we wanted to kind of, you know, figure this out. And I just remember my wife, like she was just no nonsense from moment one and she stayed this way. And it's a good learning lesson. I'm happy to share what we learned through that experience. But we go out in the hallway and my wife's like, hey, you know, I told her the news. And like, obviously it's like, okay. And she's just like, look, you know, you tell our family and friends like the news and you just let them know that there'll be no tears, no crying and no sadness in front of Ava. Like from today on, we're going to go ahead and create this as our mission and we're going to beat it. It was very interesting the way she handled it because it was if like, she just stepped up hard. It was like that motherly something. Just like, it wasn't even like debatable. It was like, look, you tell everybody to get their shit together. And if you come in front of our daughter, you better be positive because there is no other option. And we are going to attack this and we are going to beat this. Let's go back inside. That's it. Like, it was like, okay, wow. like show me the, you know, and, and, you know, it's interesting from a leadership perspective because I own our company and whatnot. It's interesting the, the, the effect that a strong leader can have on the overall atmosphere, right? Because I walked back into that room feeling different than I did when I got that news, right? I walked in there like, let's go. Like, all right, battle's on. And I mean, obviously it was harder than, it's not that, that simple, but you get the idea. Yeah. That's, a, dude, there's so many things in that of uh, your wife, Ashley, right? Her response and how she showed up and her ability to respond versus react. And one of the things that's interesting is the, the program that we've developed for families to go through, part of it is helping them create their family values. And we help them create values in these seven categories, these seven areas, based on research done out of the University of Nebraska, where they went and studied all these families for over 30 years and concluded like, these are the six things that make up strong families, these six strengths. And what interestingly, one of the strengths they observed, Jason, in every family that they had interviewed that they identified as a strong family was their ability to overcome really difficult things yeah. and their ability to come together and fight whether it was like a physical element or emotional or a financial hardship, it's just like, that's one of the things that strong families have the ability to do. And we love that. So we help families, every family that goes through the program, they create a value in the category we call, oh, we overcome. So like ours is Smiths or creators. So the belief is, you know, I have create. It's like, yeah, we'll create through anything. Like it doesn't matter what. And I just love like your wife's demonstration of leadership of like, yeah, this is really hard. This, and we can either focus on what's going wrong and what isn't, or we can focus on who we're going to be and how we're going to show up to this and how we're going to ask other people to show up to this. And that's just, that's freaking right. remarkable. That, that's well, leadership. Well, it is leadership. And I think that what the reason why we're able to do that is because of adversity we had already overcame and micro doses of adversity we expose our children to on a daily basis. So I'm a major believer that every child, as soon as possible, should be exposed to hard things, period. I'm just a major, major believer in that. I think that can come through group sports and then come through individual sports and then come through workouts with dad and mom in the garage or whoever is taking care of them. I think it could come through cold plunge, sauna, exposure. There's so many ways you can expose your kids to hard things 
And I'm not here to tell you which one to do. But what I do know is that when you expose them to hard things, something happens within them and they become callous and they become more resilient. And I think that as a society, you know, we became softer and softer and softer. And I speak from firsthand, the benefits that the CrossFit Games gave me and my family was that we learned to overcome adversity and struggle through sport, right? Like we learned to understand what was in control, out of control, positive self-talk and lessons learned. But you could also get those in the garage or through sports. And that's why I think it's so important because these kids these days, they're playing video games, doing all this stuff. And all of a sudden they get in real life and they maybe have a breakup or they maybe have some type of adversity. And because they haven't been exposed to other forms more that are in their control, for example, like sport, you know, if, if you win or lose a game, it's not the end of the world, but you learn, you overcome that adversity. If you do or don't get that next rep this morning with my daughter on deadlifts, it's not the end of the world. But what it teaches us is every single time it teaches us how to overcome those struggles. And then when you're in real life and something happens, I believe you're more prepared to handle it. 100%. And what it does is all of that is shaping a child's identity. Because look, kids have an identity. Like we all have an identity. We can't stop. And either our identity is built more around like, I don't matter. I'm not enough. I'm not strong. I don't have, my life has no meaning and purpose, right? Which a lot of kids unfortunately have today, especially in the comparison world of social media. or it's a real possibility that a child could grow up with an identity of, I'm strong. I'm a leader. I matter. I make a difference. I can get through hard things. I'm a, I'm a Kalipa. I'm a Smith. I'm a, you know, and like one of the things my wife always says, Melissa, is like, we invest, there's billions and billions of dollars every year invested in leadership development all throughout the world, whether it's in companies or individuals can go to weekend retreats and learn about leadership and becoming more powerful human beings. And Melissa always says, and the greatest leadership development opportunity that's ever existed and will ever exist is inside of homes. For sure. It's like, 100%. these are the leaders of tomorrow and either we're developing them, either we're raising them to have an identity of I'm a leader or not. And I just, I love this emphasis on like, yeah, we, we do. I think fitness things. though, I just think fitness is like the strongest catalyst that I've found personally. And yeah. of course, you know, now many people listen might be like, yeah, bro, it's because that's what you do for a living and whatnot. Yeah, I get it. But <laughs> for sure, I'm biased here. But I know that once a week, I do super hard things outside the gym with a group of men. And I oftentimes will have my son come and, and participate in hill sprints or something hard with other men. And I feel like that has been very impactful on his overall mindset looking at life. Like we will do hard things, we will overcome. And that will transfer into other things for the rest of his life, right? And, and same thing goes with my daughter. So. Anyways, I, I can't speak highly enough about parents doing hard things, especially with and and with their children, because, you know, it's hard for a kid to see what hard work looks like when dad's on a computer. But when dad's doing burpees, they know exactly what that looks like. And I think there's something primal about that, that that encourages hard work. You, you just said the thing that I was kind of thinking, too. It's, it's one thing to have your children participate in doing hard things and realizing, like, I can do hard things. And that's another to have them observe you doing hard things. Cause that whole leadership principle, and I don't know who came, I, I've tried to find who said this quote, so I give him credit, but more is caught than taught. Your children will always learn way more by what they catch you doing and who they catch you being than what they hear you saying. I, I like that. I'm writing that one down. <laughs> caught, caught than taught. I like that. Yeah. It's the same in companies, right? Like you want to really get your people to start stepping up as leaders. Yeah. You could talk a lot about leadership and, or you could just go be a leader and demonstrate leadership. hundred percent. 
I and I think it's just so important for, and look, I agree. Like I, I'm biased towards fitness. I love fitness. I, I just did a podcast episode where I talked about all the things I learned and doing a bodybuilding show and like, oh yeah, you know, like, you know, and what my kids observed in that and the questions that, you know, created and we cold plunge together and there's things we do. And I just have this belief that how you bring yourself to your physical fitness and health is a demonstration of kind of how you're bringing yourself to everything, whether you realize it or not, because it's one of the most confronting things to bring yourself to intentionally with discipline. And it, it's just, you can't stop that from spreading into other areas of your life. Well, think about it because you create momentum, right? And so tomorrow I'm giving a talk with the uh, customs and border protection, right? And I'm going to break it down to three parts, act the part, look the part and never get to zero. And if you think about it, like, what is the benefit there? So if you could act the part, right? If for me, I never want my fitness to inhibit what I need or want to do ever. I always want to be able to provide experiences to my kids, be able to do things, and I want to be able to protect myself and my family. It's very important to me. So my fitness becomes a guiding principle there because if I can't sprint, if I can't run, if I can't jump, if I can't climb, how can I possibly do any physical tasks with my kids? And then how can I also protect them if something happens, right? And act, look the part I think is really interesting because we talk about wanting to be able to provide for our families in terms of financially. I think, I think many men and women want to provide for their families. When you look the part, it gives you the confidence that when you look at, when you walk into the room, it says something about you without having to say anything. If you look fit, if you look taken care of, right? It says that you are dedicated, that you are committed, that you have allocated time towards your own health and prioritized it. And I think that's huge. And then obviously a never, never um, zero part is like once momentum gets to zero, it's very difficult to start that back up. So even if you just start walking, right? but you're doing something, it starts keeping that ball, right? An object in motion will just kind of continue on. And then maybe you have these great workouts, but at least you do something is the idea. Totally. And that's, I, I've said this all the time in business is that it's actually quite difficult to create momentum, but once you have it, you want to stay in it because really when, you, when you're starting from zero, it's like you're pushing a big boulder on a slight incline exactly. and it takes so much inertia and energy to get it going. And then if you'll stick with it long enough, it's almost like a teeter-totter. It starts to do this a little bit. And you're like, whoa, the ball's starting to kind of roll on its own. And I have some wind at my back and like, this feels good. And it's like, once you're in motion and once you're in momentum, you know, staying in that. And look, it doesn't have to look like, like Jason, you don't have to go do CrossFit. You don't have to go lift weights, whatever it is. But I think there's something profound, again, about moving your body, having your children observe you moving your body, and then moving your body in some way with your kids. Just, man, if we could raise, you know, my, my vision for my children is I want to, I always say this, I want to raise children who know who they are, love who they are and believe in who they are. And I want to raise kids who are strong, confident, and happy. Like, I feel like if you leave my home at 18 and you know who you are, you love who you are and you believe in yourself, that's a big check for me. And if you leave my home at 18 and you're strong, you're confident, you're happy. I feel like I've done it. Well, I've done what, did what I was supposed to do, you know, D done everything you can, you know, and I think that it starts with you and your wife. And then it transfers into the kids, you know, something that my wife and I take for very seriously is weekly date nights and just keeping our relationship super strong has always been our core focus. You know, when we had our first daughter or our daughter at the time, I was traveling all the time trying to, you know, I was opening locations all overseas and we were doing a lot of stuff and I was trying to balance, you know, being a dad, being a husband and finding time to, to not just always be about the kids, but to get back to your relationship, I think is really important because if your relationship starts to dwindle, you can't show up the best for your children. I think that's really important. So 
for anybody out there who's going through something difficult, which is almost everybody, right? Everybody's got their stuff going on. I think maintaining a strong relationship with your significant other and almost holding that first, or not almost, holding that first in the house will only lead to better relationships overall with everybody else. So that's yeah. just my, that's my recommendation I got when Ava was sick and it really has held true. Yeah, one of the things that Melissa and I talk a lot about in the program is non-negotiable weekly date nights. And yeah. I think the reason we've been so committed to it is because we, all, we did almost get divorced. We got so close to like, what it felt like to take each other for granted, I think it scared us. And I, I tell couples all the time who are struggling, have a little bit of disconnection or a lot of disconnection in their marriage. I'm like, I promise you, take me up on this challenge. Date each other for three months. Go on a weekly date night for three months. And, and I'm, I'm open to the idea that the first three or four times might be really awkward. They might be brutal. Like when Melissa and I made the decision to start doing weekly date nights, it was right when we moved back in together. So we were like, People, I think I, the way I tell the story, people assume like, oh, you guys were separated. You moved back in together and everything was magic. I'm like, no, it was like 5149. It was just barely better than it wasn't. Some of those first date nights were so awkward. We were having to get to know each other again and get into like build a friendship again and fall in love with each other. But it's like, that's again, another sign of momentum. You, you stay in momentum around weekly date night. And then another thing that I've heard a lot in the fitness world that I love is like, try to not let one day turn into two. Try to not let one week turn into two. It's like meaning that's the whole, that's the whole never zero thing, right? Because yeah. it, it's very easy for some of them to go from one day to two to three to five. Yeah. Like, oh, oh man, we, we missed date night this week. Oh, we missed it two weeks. And then it, it's kind of like the gym, like, oh, I missed it. And then you start letting yourself tell yourself Darn. this unempowering story This versus like, oh yeah, I missed a day. Okay. I'm getting right back at it. Oh yeah. We missed a couple weeks. We're getting right back at it. The thing I love too, is all of this, I'm a really big believer in creating a narrative that you get to tell yourself about yourself. And so one of the things that I talk a lot about, even with my kids and, and with our clients is what if we stopped listening to ourselves as much and started talking to ourselves more? And what I mean by that is, I think sometimes people are like, think I'm crazy when I'm encouraging them. I want you to start talking to yourself more. Well, if you sit around and just listen to yourself, well, most of the thoughts that we listen to about ourselves are kind of disempowering. So what if instead we talk to ourselves? So one of the things we've worked on with our children is helping them create what we call manifestos, which is their, all of their declarations about who they are. But like, again, if I'm a child who does a cold plunge and I get out and I do it, it's like, oh, maybe I am strong. Maybe I can do hard things. And so yeah. I also look at it like, how can we create scenarios in our families where we get to tell ourselves a story about who we really are that's empowering? One um, way to look at that is like positive self-talk, right? So yeah. If you look at this from a sport perspective, this is really important. And you'll, you'll be in the middle of a workout and your, your first inclination be like, dude, my legs hurt, my lungs hurt, whatever. But if you were coaching somebody through the workout, like if I was coaching through a workout, I would never say to you, hey man, like, dude, I don't think you can get three more reps or, you know, your heart hurts right now or whatever. Like you can't right. feel your legs. You'd be like, dude, come on, man. So if you think about it in terms of coaching yourself through a workout, that's where positive self-talk becomes so valuable. But then also that's a great way to embody that in real life too, right? Is that like you would never coach yourself in a workout or in life saying, oh, like I'm crappy at this. I'm not good at this. Like I actually think that for some kids, and this is just like a, an analogy, like we talk about bad words, F word, whatever, you name the words that are on your bad list, right? But we don't talk about words that I think are even worse than those words because they have such a negative connotation, like I'm stupid or I can't, or you name those other words right. that you hear kids say that are just putting them down instead of building them up. I think that's really important to start 
creating a culture in your house. Like, Hey man, I don't want to hear you call yourself stupid. Like, what are you doing? Like, right. you don't do that. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I went and talked to a high school volleyball team recently. Um, the athletic director reached out to me and said, Hey, I, I've seen a couple of your Instagram reels. Like, are you like a motivational speaker? And I was like, sure. I'll be whatever you need me to be to like, come to, you know, sure. Do, yeah. Will you come talk to our, our volleyball team? Cause they're really struggling with morale, self-belief, teamwork, like, and what was interesting is first she actually, she actually talked about they're struggling with like teamwork and not being a cohesive team. And immediately I go, that's actually not about teamwork and being a cohesive team. I bet if we address their individual self-worth, that takes care of itself, you know? So I go talk to these girls, ages, freshman to senior, and I, I'm, I'm with them in a way where I can tell that they're finally getting comfortable with me and they can tell they can really open up to me. And I asked these girls, probably 40 of them, I said, be honest with me, how many of you say nice things to yourself about yourself on a daily basis? Yeah, no one raised their hand. Not one hand. How many of you say really disempowering things to yourself about yourself every single day? Every hand goes up. And I'm like, man, if you could learn at a young age that what if, what if I stopped training my brain to look for the things that I don't like about myself, that I don't like in my life, that I don't want, that isn't working, and I start training my brain to look for the evidence as to why I do matter, why I am enough, what I do have in my life that I'm grateful for. And I think that's just such a powerful thing. And again, fitness and sports and all these experiences can like start to help your children and, and you as a parent build that narrative and just change the conversation that goes on in your mind. And I think, man, imagine the power of teaching kids at a young age, hey, you can tell yourself what you want to believe about yourself. You're in control of that narrative, right? Because if not, the world will take, the world's really happy and dying to take control of that narrative for our kids and, and for us. Absolutely. Yeah. I think working with the youth is like, where it all starts because you could also mold and it's very difficult to go back and, and shape through, you know, adults. But if you could start impacting kids, especially nowadays, I just feel like in general, like, I don't, I, I don't know if it's the video games. I don't know if it's social media. I don't know if it's just easy access to information, but everybody wants everything instantly. And they forget that only through hard work, commitment, and time, can you really see anything profound and successful? And I think that Something our youth need to learn is that anything worth doing, if it's easy, it's not that worth it. Like it has to have a struggle or a journey to it to really provide fulfillment. I, I just, I, anyways, I'm, I'm definitely concerned and I'm taking an active role in terms of coaching and whatnot, my children, because that's what's in my control to try and set them up as well as possible for the future. And using sports and fitness is my way of doing it, but other parents should be finding their own ways to do that, right? hundred percent. Okay. We've got a few minutes left here. Talk, talk to us, Jason, a little bit about the title of your book as many reps as possible. Like why that is a title. How does that apply to life and families? Yes. I mean, as many reps as possible, the theory is, is that when you do an AMRAP, an AMRAP would be, Hey, Bob, you know, go do max burpees in one minute, right? When they're doing, when that individual is doing burpees for a minute, they're not going to stop and check their phone. They're not going to you know, go have a conversation. They're going to be super engaged and focused on that because they're trying to get as many reps as they can in one minute. And the best analogy I could give you for the way that I've been able to try and optimize my life is being present and focused in each facet of my life and then switch gears. So like, for example, before I started talking to you, I was running hill sprints, like right on my street, hill sprints. And when I was doing those, I wasn't thinking about you. I was thinking about the hill sprints. And now I'm only thinking about you. I know it sounds weird, but I'm just here yeah. with you only. Now, after this conversation, I'm not going to think about you immediately after. I'm going to go focus on other business that I need to take care of. 
And so the idea is identify what your focus is, work really hard while in that focus, and then switch gears, almost like riding a bike on different train throughout the day. And I just made a lot of mistakes in this area over, over the years, um, you know, trying to do two things at once. And it, it ended up impacting my relationships. And I, I, that's really what the book is about. I love that. I love the thought of, hey, when I'm running hill sprints, I'm getting in as many reps as possible. When I'm on a podcast with Chris Smith, I'm getting in as many reps as possible. When I'm on date night with my wife, I'm getting in as many reps as possible. When I'm on, you know, when I'm out playing in the backyard with my kids. So it's like wherever I'm at, I love the quote, wherever you're at, be there. I don't know who came up with that quote, right? And not just be there, get in as many reps as, that's as the, possible. That's the, that's the theory. And it's never going to be perfect and no one's going to be perfect at it. But if you're thinking about it, that's the key. I was actually testing one of the workouts. I'm having a group of men. I don't know how many people are going to show up. I just send out a text and I give them a GPS coordinate and uh, just say, hey, come do something hard with me. So we'll see how many people show up. But I was testing out what we're going to be doing on Friday. That's amazing. Well, man, it's been an honor to have you on. I thank you for your time. And just, dude, uh, the work you're doing out there in the world through business and the inspiration you are to husbands and fathers and families, your, your message of inspiring people to do like do hard things, train hard, like as a metaphor for life. And then obviously the amazing work that your charity does through Ava's Kitchen. Um, and we'll provide links to all of that. And just, yeah, I guess, so one question I love asking everyone, Jason, because you know, we're all about helping families get really clear on who they are and what they stand for. If you could say that there's one thing that you would want the Kalipa family to be known for, right? Like, like the Kalipa family is a brand that represents something and stands for something. I put you on the spot. What, what's the one thing? I know you haven't talked to your family about it. It's just you off the cuff, but. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the word, I mean, look, ethical uh, giving, uh, there, there's, there's words that, um, that I think about when I'm um, compassionate that I care about. But I think that we say, we do what we're going to say and we say what we're going to do. Like, mm. meaning like we, we can be counted our, on. Yeah. We, we back up our words with action and that's really important to me. I love that, man. I mean, well, imagine if more, more, everyone in the world operated more that way of like, we could actually count on people to do what they say they're going to do and like, like be accountable and like be dependable. Um, dependable, right? Like, like that dependable is, yeah. is a good way to look at it. like, we are dependable, meaning like if we say we're going to do something, we're going to do it. And if something is happening with our friends and family, we're going to be there to support them. And in return, we look at that same characteristic for the people that we surround ourselves with. So, well, dude, thanks for coming on. Can't wait to have everyone of you listen, obviously, as you're listening to this episode and check out more of what Jason's up to with Train Hard, um, his book, As Many Reps as Possible, their amazing charity work with Abe's Kitchen. Again, all of those links will be in the show notes. And uh, man, Jason, thanks for coming on and chatting with me today, dude. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the Family Brand Podcast. To say thank you, we have something really awesome we'd love to share with you. You know, we often hear from families who will tell us that they just feel so overwhelmed because of the demands that are placed on them. They feel like they're constantly being pulled in so many different directions and spread thin and they're spending time as a family, but they don't feel like it's quality time. They're not really connected and they want to be more intentional. And we can certainly relate because we felt like that at one point in, in our family. And so we created a guide that allowed us to really be more confident around how we spend time as a family and what we say yes to and what we say no to. And it's just brought so much more peace into our home. It's made our lives so much more simple and we want to share it with you. So if you go to familybrand.com forward slash free, you can download the how to take back your family's time guide. And I can promise you, it'll give you more confidence and more peace in your life than your family. One last thing, we feel so inspired when we hear from families that we are making a difference for them. We would love it if you would leave us a five-star rating and a review on the podcast that so we can reach 
even more amazing families. We truly believe that the way we change the world is one family at a time.